Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. And before we get to the meat of the episode, let me tell you guys where you can meet me. First, by listening to this podcast. I will continue to release episodes at least two or three times a week throughout at least the rest of the NBA playoffs. So make sure you are subscribed. And if you could drop a rating and a review, that would be awesome. Second, on Twitter. Make sure you're following my handle at AdvantagePod underscore SE. Since this is a sports ethos presentation podcast, the SE stands for sports ethos. Shout out to them. Third, by subscribing to the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and getting access to their Discord channel. That is where I post all my written thoughts, and that's actually where I post all my bets right when I take them. So if you're interested in tailing along my plays, make sure you get access there, and you will see every bet as soon as I place it. All right, let's get back to it. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow me on Twitter, and let's get back to the show. All right, we've now finished another night in the association. It is now the morning of May 4th at 1.30 a.m. We just finished the May 3rd slate. Before I move forward and recap tonight's games and give my looks moving forward, let me say, if you are a Star Wars fan, may the 4th be with you on your bets today. From a betting perspective, we've eclipsed the plus 15 units mark. We are now at plus 16.17 units, and if you follow my principles of bankroll management spoken about in a previous episode, knowing how to distribute bets and when to increase your unit size, we now have a 20.77 return on investment. The stellar start continues here on The Advantage. Okay, so let's recap what went down tonight and how we are going to bet moving forward. Tonight was a redemption night in the association. The Celtics had a roaring comeback against the Bucks, controlling that game by 20 throughout and winning handily. Let me talk to you guys how I was reading the game before it started. The spread opened at Bucks plus four, and the money came flying in on the Bucks. Yet for some reason, it moved to plus 4.5, and eventually all the way up to plus five. You can actually see the money that sportsbooks have on a given line. FanDuel literally gives the numbers on their website. So I was seeing the line move from plus 4.5 to plus 5 on the Bucks, while they had 76% of the money coming in on that side. Now, that is not normal. We've discussed it before. Books want to have an even 50-50 split on the game. So no matter what happens, they take the tax cut and they win. When you see a situation like this, where a book is intentionally opening up a rather large exposure spots, we have to dive deeper. To me, when I see this, my first thought is, the odds makers know more than me, and tonight I want to join their team. In this case, we immediately back the Celtics and take the minus five. Even though it is not an ideal line compared to where it was, you have to consider the tilted exposure And you have to feel pretty damn confident going into this game with the Celtics minus five ticket. Like I say a lot on here, the indicators in the sports book matter to me more than the line itself. 
if the same line movement indicators were happening and this line was at Celtics minus nine, I still would have been on it and I still would have covered. Now this series switches back to Milwaukee and there is a beautiful, beautiful betting spot already in what I think is the most misplaced line of the playoffs so far. The Bucks team total sits at 108, playing at home game three. Give me the under. This line, the Bucks team total, is a reflection of the rest of the lines around it and not the game itself. So let me explain this. The total for the game is 213, and the Bucks are a three-point favorite at home. So this plugs in for a 108-105 finish. But if we look at the way the Bucks are playing and the way the Celtics are playing them defensively, this is a really, really inflated line based on them being a home favorite. I think they should be around 102 or 103 team total. And right now, I've already placed a three-quarter of a unit play on that under 108 team total Bucks. Just a quick note of emphasis to a prior point. I'm saying this is my favorite line I've seen come out in the entire playoffs, but I'm still only putting less than a full unit. Like I said, three quarters unit. And this is because I don't have any of the line movement indicators yet, which I just said is the most important thing to me than anything else. So yes, I love the line. I want to bet it, but I'm only laying a bit now and I could always increase my exposure later once the line movement statistics come in. The second game tonight was Grizzlies-Warriors. I was on the Warriors minus two as a system play, and I was on the under in this game. The under hit, but the Grizzlies won and tied up the series. If you are a Warriors backer, this is the time to bet the Warriors to win the series. Always bet the team you want to back in a series after their first loss. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It holds true to NBA playoff betting. Always bet the team you want to back in a series after their first loss. I literally just did this placing a bet on the Celtics plus 108 when they went down 0-1 to the Bucks. I personally am not going to be jumping in on the Warriors bandwagon. I think this is a much closer matchup than people are expecting. I don't consider myself a big Warriors backer. Maybe I've never been a big Warriors fan, even when they had their title dynasty. But either way, I am not jumping on this. But if you are a Warriors backer, now is the time. If you are a Memphis backer, now is not the time. I would wait one more game until they play in the Chase Center, probably lose, and then jump in then, hoping that they can steal one on the road. For the May 4th slate, we have Heat Sixers Game 2 and Sun Mavericks Game 2 as well. The Heat are winning this one without Joel again. I kind of think they do cover the current eight-point spread on it, but I also just might play the money line at a one-unit play for less return. They're like a minus 400 favorite. I'm not going to lay four units to win one, but I'll just lay one to win 0.25. Sometimes when you feel very confident in the team, but you don't love the spread, it's okay to just play the money line. This is especially true in the playoffs where teams don't really have letdown spots. Teams are equally rested and equally motivated to win. So I wouldn't really do this in the regular season, play a minus 400 money line favorite. 
But in the playoffs, like I said, every team is equally incentivized to win every game, and that helps a lot when betting it. The spot that I'm definitely playing for this game is the over 207.5 total. This is absurdly low in my opinion, and it even went down after game one, which was 208.5. If we look at the metrics, the reason why game one went under was because of poor shooting, and that's it. The pace was actually up compared to their season average for the Heat and 76ers. The Heat shot 25% from three. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league. The Sixers shot 18%. The stats show that the Sixers left 22 points out there compared to what would have been an average shooting night for them. The Heat were like 10 under. If these teams shoot even average, this total flies over. This is because the 76ers are playing small ball without Embiid. This Paul Reed, Paul Millsap, or even Tobias Harris at the center, those lineups are really helpful for an over. I'll be on the total in this game, likely for a full unit. Finally, let's wrap up with Suns-Mavs game two. Suns, again, are a six-point favorite, and I, again, am playing it. The Suns were up 21 at one point in game one. And in the fourth quarter, the Mavs did this adjustment where they put Finney Smith at center. Shout out to Austin for his Finney Smith is a key role player call on a previous episode of this podcast. He's been really crucial to the Mavs this entire postseason run. But what happened was Finney Smith was switched to the five and he was put on Aiton. And the Mavs were able to essentially trade twos for threes and crawl back a bit. This is exactly what they did against the Jazz. The Mavs were taking threes. The Jazz were taking twos. And the Mavs said, okay, in the long run, we will win. So they did do this, and they did crawl back again. The game ended as a seven-point game. I personally think this has more to do with the Suns being in clear command of the game at that point, rather than the adjustment matchup that worked. But if you're trying to bet the Mavs, this is the angle that you're playing. You're saying, okay, I think they figured something out. For me, give me the Suns again. And the fact that we're getting it under the seven-point Threshold is like, yes, please. Okay, that's my read on game twos tonight and my early leans for game threes. A quick episode, hopefully helpful. Now it's time for me to try and go to bed. 